I'm your host, Erin Pym. I'm an erotic writer as well as the producer of the live stage show, Bedpost. Here at the podcast, I invite guests and performers from the stage show to indulge me in a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. Uh, but this week, we don't have a guest from the show. We have a very exciting uh, professional in the, in the studio even though I'm not in the studio, I'm on location at 493 Queen Street West at Come As You Are, and my guest is Jack Lehman. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, I am so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited that someone said my last name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Okay, I was on my way to work. I'm a big Dan Savage listener. Who isn't? Uh, yesterday I was on my way to work knowing I would be interviewing you the next day and you come on the mic! Yeah! You are a guest on the Savage Love Cast! Yeah, that was such a blast! It was oh such a blast! That is just crazy! And But he introduced your name incorrectly. Everyone does. Yeah. yeah that's alright. But I, I, um, I actually did a kind of a promo on a previous episode and I said layman. Oh wow! That's so I was like, then he said Lamon, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and then you corrected him and said, actually, it is layman, but people mispronounce it a lot. Pretty much everybody in my family pronounces it a little bit differently. In the family, too, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Not, not even it's outside. A, it's a terrible sounding last name. <laughs> I decided to stay true to my, my roots. And, I like yeah, it. Layman. It's like every man. It's like. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not spelled anything like that. No, not at all. <laughs> And Jack, of course, you are one of the owners slash workers yeah. uh, at Come As You Are Co-op, yeah. because that's your whole business model here. Yeah, so we are the world's only worker-owned sex shop. That is um, crazy. We're incorporated as a worker cooperative, so that means that we are owned by our workers, and we have a consensus-based decision-making model. Uh, the other thing that makes us really different than pretty much any other feminist sex shop or sex shop generally is that we have an anti-capitalist mandate. Yeah. So for us, that means we make no money. For you, it means that we you know, provide ethical, honest information and yep. we're not profit-driven. Uh, but also our prices tend to be pretty low because we just don't need to make profit the same way traditional businesses do. Amazing. So yeah. how, how many owners are there? Right now, there's only a few of us. So okay. I'd say in our history, when I was hired on back in 2001, there were two. Okay. Um, and that at our peak in 2011, I think we had uh, five out of six of us were worker owners. Wow. So it really varies over time. I'd say that people either stay here for less than a year or they're lifers. Or like forever. there's not a lot of in between. Sure. Um, yeah. And the store's been here since 1997. Yeah, we've been around since 97. We used to be a little further west on Queen. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, we've been around for 19 years now, which is pretty wow. amazing to think of. I've only been here for 15, but you know. Only 15. Only, you know. No big yeah. deal. I know. Who has the same job that long anymore? <laughs> like I feel not, I feel like I'm, I'm like in the 1950s. It's, it's like, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's totally peculiar. Well, you obviously enjoy yourself here. I do. I mean, I really love 
love the work. I'd say that it is easily the most gratifying and challenging thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I think running a co-op is extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are like the positive, just in a nutshell, what are like the positives and negatives of this business model? Well, you know, I think that that varies depending on who you talk to. I mean, the co-op movement. In your experience. Yeah. I mean, the co-op movement is a really diverse movement, right? So it incorporates, like it's, it's uh, things like uh, credit unions, uh, the cooperators insurance company, um, us, uh, Urbane Cyclist is actually another local retail co-op in the okay, city. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, they're up on College Street. They're awesome. Cool. Um, but, you know, I'd say that not all cooperatives are anti-capitalist. So when you look at large insurance companies, you know, they tend to be uh, pretty traditional in the way that they operate their businesses, but they are owned by the members of the co-op. Yeah. Um, same thing with credit unions. Credit unions are owned by the people who actually bank there. So it's a okay, really empowering okay. democratic way to, to do business. Uh, for us, we really leverage the cooperative model to uh, counter capitalism. So we yeah. really, from the onset, wanted to take profit out of the discussions of sex toys because we see how commercialization and marketing really influences people's sexualities and their sure. decisions around what they purchase or don't purchase. For us, the best thing about being an anti-capitalist co-op is those times when we get to talk people out of buying things. Yes. Uh, you know, oh, you could just use your hands for that. Yes. Or here's a household item that you have that would fulfill that same purpose. Right. At the same time, there are lots of great sex products out there. So for folks, you know, if you... Um, if, Especially if, at this store. Well, I, yeah. would, I, mean, I, I think so. I mean, I think so, but I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm because you know there are than... there are shitty sex stores. Yeah, I mean, I, I say, yeah, I, I mean, I think that you wouldn't like find novelty anyone... use type toys. Yeah, I mean, we're extremely critical of uh, not just traditional sex shops, but actually sex positive sex shops as well. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that we have a lot of issues with sex positivity as a concept. Sure. Um, I think that you know, in in sort of the the era of the lesbian and feminist sex wars, I understand where sex positivity came in and why that's a philosophy. But it now feels like, you know, folks are just required to be positive about all things in sexuality. And that's sort of like, if you're not poly, you're not cool. Or, you know, uh, yeah. oh, if you're not into anal, then you're uptight. And it's like, just none of those things are true. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you know, sex is... I'd say difficult for the vast majority of people. Mm -hmm. So to sort of insist on this very positive attitude, I think is unrealistic. It's a little exclusive. Yeah. It's a little, Sexuality yeah. is for most of us a, you know, cause of shame, um, yes. of a lot of rough feelings. And yeah, it's not easy. It's um, loaded. It's yeah. layered. And, and sex can be extremely negative and that's okay if that's your experience. So yeah. yeah. So there you go. So I, yeah, I'd say that as much as we, uh, you know, we have a lot of disdain for a lot of traditional sex shop models, I think that, you know, we're equally critical of the movement that we find ourselves in as well. Yeah. Um, but that's just us. But yeah, so you asked about the, the pros and cons of being a co-op. I think, you know, the greatest thing about being a co-op is, you know, for us, it makes it our store able to reflect a... Uh, wide variety of views and understandings of sexuality. So, you know, we try every product that we carry. We make sure that we like it. We don't carry anything we don't like, mm -hmm. um, which makes our lives so much easier. Like, why? You why know? would you? Yeah. So many people ask that you don't yeah. personally endorse. And we have customers who will ask, you know, you know, what do you recommend? And we're like, well, everything. All of it. It's just a matter of finding something that works for you. You yes. know? Yes. Of um, so, and I think that you know, doing this together is so much nicer than doing it alone. Um, I think that if we had a company that was owned by one person, uh, yeah, I just, I don't think the flow would work as well. I think that being able to do this collectively and politically. Yeah, I think it, it would help like socially and mm -hmm. within the workplace, like a very positive yeah. and cooperative work yeah. environment. Absolutely. And while most co-ops are run, uh, you know, under a democracy, so one person, one vote, okay. we've all 
always employed a, a more consensus-based decision-making model. So it means that uh, the level of agreement is a little deeper than it would be if we all just voted and kind of had to, to put up with decisions. There's some we discussion. Yeah. There's some discussion involved. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the hardest part, yeah, is, uh, you know, it's like having, it's like running your own business and also having three bosses. Yes. And, you know, so it's like you're, you're both totally responsible and then also sort of being told what to do. So it's a weird tension in, in groups, but I think that uh, it's been so worthwhile and I, I couldn't imagine the co-op existing any other way. Yet um, the other owners of the business, have you been all doing it together for the same amount of time kind of as no. you are used no. to each other? And you're... Yeah, I mean, I would say that it's a bit all over the place. Like we haven't had a founding member here since about 2009. So okay. um, Corey Silverberg and uh, Carrie Gray, who's the owner of Aslan Leather, and right. Sandra Haar were the founders back in 97. Um, both Carrie and Sandra, I think, left within the first couple of years. Really? Um, and then so Corey was the sort of only surviving member until about 2009, and then he moved down to the States. Um, so yeah, most of us so most here have been here between sort of five and 15 years. Right. Yeah, around the... Right. Yeah. So you're working, you're still figuring it out. With oh the, yeah, with... and, and I think there's been so many errors. The co-op that, uh, you know, each one is a new, a new adventure. Right. Um, and are you welcome to bringing on new members? We are. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd say that all of the folks who are working in the store currently are, are pretty member oriented. So yeah. hopefully we'll see some new members in the next year. That's but, amazing. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. So tell me just a little bit about uh, working with Dan Savage. I'm so star starstruck. I'm two degrees away from Dan Savage right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it was a really interesting experience. Um, I fancy myself someone who's pretty witty and quippy, so yeah. I was pretty intimidated having to keep up with his banter. Yes. Uh, but it was good. I think his questions were good. I think that we have some pretty significant ideological differences. Right. Um, you know, so I felt like even in that interview talking about, uh, I think he sort of uh, had a bit of a throwaway remark that, oh, well, you'll never get HIV from a rubber dildo. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, you probably won't. But man, you could get some BV or trichomoniasis or, you know, there's lots of yeah. things that you actually don't want from a Toy. So I think he's cavalier in a way that we're extremely cautious. Uh, right. Um, and we are extremely cautious. Right. Yeah. Because he has always said that, you know, he, gi he gives advice. Mm -hmm. So everyone has an opinion, mm -hmm. you know, and that's yeah. all you need to do his job. Yeah. Uh, whereas, and he's got tons of experience in the field. I'm not yeah. saying he doesn't. Sure. Uh, but you have a very different experience, maybe more tactile experience in the field. Yeah, we take ourselves extremely seriously. seriously. Um, yeah. I mean, we see sexuality as something that can also be a source of humor. Um, sure. But humor around sex is often extremely dangerous. Um, typically, when people employ humor around sex is to put people down or put sex acts down um, or, or to mock people in their sexualities. Mm -hmm. So it's a very fine line to walk when you're trying to be uh, humorous around sexuality. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. It's great. Yeah, and I kind of deal with that through my show sure. as well because I do a live stage show, entertaining stage show, so yeah. we obviously have comedy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a constant battle to book people that... Mm -hmm. You know, won't <laughs> well, you know? Won't be misogynist. Won't be sexist. Won't be like all these different yeah. things. And, and in a misogynist, sexist society, I mean, it's tough. That's, that's, it can be tough. Yeah. I mean, I can only I, I book a lot of females. That's for sure. But yeah, anytime I have to kind of book a cisgendered straight man, it's like okay, I have to be pretty careful here. And like, what are we going to talk about exactly in this stand-up set? Well, yeah, and I mean, I think you know. To be human is to be problematic. Of <laughs> exactly. Um, you'd be hard-pressed to find a person who isn't problematic. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, we kind of had a situation, actually, in the last show where 
it, it went there a little bit. He kind of talked about, oh boy, he's not, he's not a comedian. He's like an actor, but right. he kind of tried to do a comedian right. set. Sure. So he kind of went to a lot of the familiar tropes mm. uh, in male comics. Oh, wow. Which, you know, can be like bashing women. Oh, wow. And he didn't go right there, but he was almost there. And right away I was like, boo! Me, the curator of the show. <laughs> I just, from the front row, just booed so hard. We need and then... to uh, special order a school cane for you so you can just loop it around people's neck and just, like, pull them off stage when you need to. <laughs> and, like, he right away got it. Yeah. Like, that that was not not the way to go at yeah. this show. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and somebody was like, was that you booing? I'm like, yes! Of course it was! Oh my oh. god! I'm the first person that's. Gonna... I do not envy your job. It must be so hard to bet people. <laughs> it can be. Usually we don't have a problem, but yeah. the odd time, it's like, oh, not this show, not this show, buddy. Yeah. Like, but it just uh, live and learn, yeah. you know. And I'll, I'll even th- more thoroughly vet people in the future. Yeah, we actually, I, uh, I know some folks who are doing a cross country comedy tour uh, that is all rape jokes. Oh. Um, no, but it's it's two women. Okay. Super feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be at the Comedy Bar this summer. I think it's June. I should mm-hmm. look up the name so I can provide it to you after the fact. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, experience in, in challenging uh, some of that terrain. Uh, because yeah. I feel like, you know, rape jokes are, are controversial into themselves. They're always made by the wrong people. Yeah. Um, so I think when you have survivors going on tour and nice. doing some pretty politically charged comedy, it's going to be really interesting. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite favorite comedy shows and podcast is the Crimson Wave. It's a com- comedic podcast about menstruation and their, uh, their headliner for both of those mediums is no rape jokes. Right. Yeah. yeah, totally. Crimson Wave comedy, no rape yeah, jokes. Totally. Crimson Wave podcast, no rape jokes. That's a great slogan. It is. That is a great slogan. Love, love, love. That's so great. So let's talk about the store a little more. We're sure. in the store. I'm seeing lots of toyses. I know you, as we said, you recommend everything, but what are some of your go-tos, let's say for a cisgendered woman such as myself? (laughs) Well, you know, I think the thing is, the way we talk about sex toys to people is so hyper-individualistic. Yeah, case by case. So it really is about, like, you know, what are you looking for? What were your previous experiences? Have you had a sex toy before? What's your favorite color? Um, you know, and what's your budget? Because uh, you know, being independently wealthy is a re- really gives you different options than you know working in a co-op for fifteen years. <laughs> sure um, especially if you don't get a, a sweet discount on the sex toys themselves. Yeah. Um, but we try to sort of divide things up by function and then narrow things down. Uh, my least favorite question is uh, when folks come in and ask for something that's kinky because they're like, "What? What could that? What kink? That, what could that, that could be anything? Possibly and, like, mean. you know, one person's kink is another Here's a person's shoe, vanilla like... afternoon. Yeah, exactly." <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's really, it's So hot, do you yeah. go through that with every person that comes in that wants a recommendation? You go through, okay, yeah, standard I mean, kind of five questions to we, figure we out. We do. I mean, we try to follow other people's leads. So I think that we really try to mirror people's experiences and their language and their, you know, body posture. If folks want to come in the store and not be bothered and just look around, uh, we are so happy to have them do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have folks who come and sit on our front bench and read for five hours, which I think is a great way to <laughs> not hilarious. buy books if you don't have cash to buy books. Like, just. <laughs> 
just come in and, and you read the entire, you know, guide to anal sex. You're like, cool why with that? Not? Oh, absolutely. That, absolutely. Yeah. No, we are like, we, you know, we are so uncomfortable selling things that <laughs> when we sell things, especially so expensive things, it just makes us uncomfortable in it's our hearts. Like but guilt. It's like Yeah. I mean, it's great. Like we really love our products. We love to see them go home to happy, fa- you know, homes. Families. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, fulfill their sex toy destinies. But yeah, we are so uncomfortable with capitalism. And I, and I understand the irony we're between the, you know, American apparel and the urban outfitters on Queen Street. Um, but I think that makes us extra subversive. Yeah. Um, like you come in and you think you're going to get a totally typical retail experience. And the reality and is that, yeah, no one will, will pressure you into buying anything. In fact, you know, we will, you know, we'll, we'll tell you to, you know, go, go home and take a couple of days to think about it. If you feel really unsure, if yeah. you feel like, or try this other thing first. Yeah. We always recommend that you get something sort of the least expensive thing in any new genre of sex toy. Mm-hmm. So if you've never had a G spotter before, get something that's under 50 bucks, under 40 bucks. Um, yeah. make sure that you feel okay with what you're spending. Um, the worst thing is when people come in and buy like a $300 Lilo toy and then mm-hmm. hate it because it's like, you know, that is a huge investment for a, a lot purchase. of folks. It would be for me. Yes. Um, and we try to sort of mitigate disappointment as much as possible and sort of buyer's remorse as much as possible. Good. And, and you know, we feel really complicated about being complicit in capitalism and that we do sell things, you know, yeah. um, but <laughs> it, it, they're also really great things. And I think especially when you look at, you know, folks in, there's lots of communities where sex toys are really essential. So when you look at um, disability communities, or yes. we sell a lot of uh, gender embodiment gear. So yes. for trans guys and, and trans women and folks who are genderqueer, you know, those things are essential. It's yeah. not, this is not a frivolous purchase. This is not a fun time purchase. This is, you know, so everyday life, serious stuff. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm there's go- a lot of necessity there. Yeah, I'm going to be speaking with Andrew Garuza and Stella yeah. Yeah. Uh, over I have two episodes, one featuring each of them. So we've got kind of the queer man uh, and disability sure. in the sex community yeah. perspective. And then we got the female perspective. Yeah, the, the they're awesome. And you can uh, check out their stuff, I think, at uh, deliciouslydisabled.org. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I was just listening to one of his... Uh, He's got a new podcast, yeah, newish I podcast too, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Gotta say, I'm gonna be a little intimidated to interview him. He is a smart guy. Oh God, you're gonna have a blast. About. It'll be great. Oh It'll boy, great. I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, when I was I was listening to was about fear and dating. Mm, yeah. On both sides yeah. of an able-bodied person to enter into a relationship or just a. Uh, just to hook up with a mm-hmm. disabled person and vice versa. Yeah, obviously. totally. Talks totally. about both. So very interesting stuff on that podcast. Yeah, I think that's going to be a great one. Yeah. Uh, can't I can't wait. wait to listen to it. Uh, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, I don't know if you could sum it up sure. in, in a sound bite. What is your, what's your mandate here? You know, interestingly, uh, so the mandate of a worker cooperative technically is to keep the members employed. That, that is actually the mandate. And we had a mandate in 97 that was things like, you know, we aspire to create an open and inviting environment where people can access sex toys. And, you know, um, we have uh, core values now. We introduced right. those in 2007 because okay. we realized that our mandate was so aspirational. And when we got to 2007, we realized that, in fact, we had accomplished all of those things. We're no longer aspiring to create an environment. We do we that had created every day. <laughs> Um, so our core values are a, a very, um, I don't know, f- fairly, actually fairly humorous when it comes to, to sex. My favorite core value is, I believe, number four, which is no come-ons. Uh, we don't come on to you, you don't come on to us, and the only sex objects in our store are the ones on our shelves. Um, and, but essentially, you know, we greet everybody, uh, we offer everyone help just so that they know we're here and available, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and then we just go with the flow. 
so, you know, our mandate is to uh, be helpful, to be, to not make assumptions about our customers. We don't collect any demographic information. So, you know, often when you, uh, when you talk about a business, people want to know, like, who are your customers? What's the age group? Mm -hmm. you know, who are you marketing to? And I say, like, no our customers are, you know, <laughs> are like 14 year olds who are here with their parents to get a binder. Um, a lot of get, people get referred through the uh, Sick Kids Trans Program, which is pretty awesome to like, I've had like 96 year old women lecture me on, no, I I've used olive oil as a lubricant for 50 years and I've never had a problem and yeah. I'm yeah go with it go get that olive oil like get, you know organic would be better and coconut oil organic would be better mm -hmm. you know as long as you're not using latex barriers you're kind of good to go yeah I was recommended by my gynecologist recently to use coconut oil yeah. and I've heard not I've heard not to previously yes well so you can't, kind of surprised me a little bit yeah you can't I mean the issue with oils I mean there's there's a lot of issues with oil so you mm -hmm. never want to use um, and art like a uh, petroleum-based oil vaginally, certainly, mm -hmm. um, just because you know it's not super water soluble. It's going to clog pores. You know, nothing horrible is going to happen. But you know, no one wants a bacterial infection, sure. unless you're really into bacterial infections, in which case, more power to you and <laughs> your fetish. amazing kink. Very so easily people. satisfied. Amazing. <laughs> um, you could date anyone anywhere. <laughs> it's totally true. <laughs> Use whatever lube you like. And then you, you know, you. I would say, you know, you want to stick to say an organic oil, just because you want to know what's in it. But you really want to be careful around latex barriers um, mm -hmm. in that oil absolutely, you know, destroys latex. Mm -hmm. um, and even if you say use an oil-based lubricant and then two days later use the latex barrier, it would actually still weaken it. Yeah. So I think that people have a lot of anxiety uh, around latex barriers and oil. And then mm -hmm. also because so many of the oil-based lubricants on the market were petroleum-based mm -hmm. um, and still are. Mm -hmm. So you kind of want to look for something that's uh, designed for use vaginally, you know, if that's, if that's your bag. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I think actually in the last 10 years, a lot of people have been using organic coconut oil as lubricants, just not realizing it's not compatible with their barriers mm -hmm. and then being just so shocked and horrified. So, yeah, I mean, and I understand why there was that language for years and years, right. but, you know, I think you also have to figure out, like, what's good for your body, what works for you, and then go from there. And now I'm realizing why he recommended that for me and my partner, because mm -hmm. we don't use bar barriers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that yeah. would be the reason I've heard the yeah. contrary previously, and exactly. that, now he's telling me, yeah. go for it. That totally makes sense. Yes, yeah. that totally, man, it just yeah, clears that go. right yeah. up for me. Yeah, totally. Um, that just reminded me while you are talking, uh, one thing that you touched on very lightly on uh, the Savage Love podcast, hmm. which I'd love to talk more in depth about, which is, uh, you just want to, you want to get rid of the word foreplay. Oh, yes. Love this concept. Foreplay does not exist. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, if you're going, if you should know that, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about terms of of sex in terms of foreplay and play, that implies that the play is the serious sex. So, and, and for most people that means either like penis in vagina or as Dan said, you know, penis in ass. And mm -hmm. that, that is sex. That's sex. And that should not be the be all and end all of sex. Yeah. I, I don't under, like, I feel like, you know, oral sex, uh, digital sex, uh, you know, making out, like these are all things that are part of sex. Yeah. Um, and it's all just play. There is no foreplay. There is no after play. There may be after care. Sure. Um, <laughs> Clean up. But it's all just play. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's such a limiting framework. Uh, yeah, very and, you limiting. Know, you hear so many people who are like, oh, my partner doesn't like to engage in foreplay. And it's like, well, geez, like, you know, it can't all just be like, you know, insert object into orifice and have an orgasm and you're done. Yeah. Um, one of our favorite sex educators is Ducky Doolittle. Yeah. Um, and she gives a great analogy, which is, you know, people are amazing at figuring out shortcuts. You know, mm -hmm. this is the thing that we are the 
best at. So whether that's like, you know, figuring out the best route to work so you get there the fastest, you know, like, or figuring out a machine that makes a thing as fast and as efficiently as possible. Like, this is the thing we as a species are amazing at. Bigger, faster, stronger. But man, you know, when it comes to sexuality, it is the worst strategy you could possibly apply. Yes. Like you, you, the only the only way to really experience sexuality is, you know, and I, I know it sounds so trite, but it is a, a stop and smell the roses kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are constantly just skipping to the orgasm or skipping to the main event as you see it, you know, you miss out almost everything that sexuality is actually it's about, to be about yeah. um, which is sensuality it and, be about. Um, and, you know, intimacy and closeness. Now, you know, some folks might be and like, pleasure well, even. Well, sure. Totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. The obvious, uh, the obvious. Um, but you know, it's, yeah. So I think that foreplay should just be banned from the lexicon. Honestly, though, I was really hoping that Dan was going to ask me, uh, you know, after 15 years of working in a sex shop, what have you learned about sexuality? Because yes. that, that's like my favorite one. But, yes. But he didn't. So there you go. So what have you learned? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> you know, so after after working in this co-op for the last 15 years, the only thing that I can definitively say about people and their sexuality is that some people have a lot of batteries at home and some people don't. <laughs> like you are either a go to Costco, fill up a drawer, or you're stealing them out of the remote control. Like those are the <laughs> only two types of sexual people. <laughs> those with batteries, those without. I, I'm, a, I'm actually someone who doesn't have batteries, mm-hmm. but because I work in a sex shop where we have batteries, I you do. Have to. But I, I know in my heart, I'm a stealing out of the remote control kind of person. <laughs> that's my orientation. Yeah. But you can't, like, that's the thing. Like, sexuality, you cannot generalize. And again, you know, yes. in the world of Dan Savage, I feel like, you know, Dan really has this line that, you know, we're all so similar, that we're all so alike, you know? Right. And we actually take the entirely the opposite, opposite perspective, right. which is that we are all so different. Like, you cannot extrapolate from your own experience at all. And, and apply it to, to anyone the else. person you're trying to sell a dildo to. Yeah, or, the, or your partner. Yeah. Um, or yeah. your partner's ex, or your friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. You find so much that people are like, oh, you know, I use this vibrator, it's the best thing, you have to own it. And, you know, your body and your best friend's body are probably totally, I mean, unless your best friend is an identical twin and you've had whatever, in which case, <laughs> maybe you can kind of extrapolate that, like, oh, yeah, you're sort of sensitive in these areas, probably. But uh, aside from you know, people who are identical twins, you know, you really can't say much about anyone else's sexuality with any kind of certainty. And I think yeah. that um, that's true in a lot of different areas of life. Um, and, and I think that's also true of a lot of things we don't think about in similar terms. So, uh, you know, coming from the restaurant industry, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, if you have a favorite you know, a favorite thing that you order from your uh, oh, yeah. restaurant, you can What's recommend good? it to your friend. Yeah. Um, or you can ask the waiter. doesn't mean you'll like it. Uh, we all have really different palettes for taste. Uh, we all have really different palettes for pleasure. And I, I think that we spend a lot of time assuming and being frustrated with other human beings because we think that they think like us. They think that they feel like us or that they experience pleasure like us. And we're all just so different. Or I feel like frustration with yourself because yeah. you can't do it yeah. Why the am way I not that you're supposed kind of orgasm to. Or, yeah. I had a conversation with somebody in a bar last night and she uh, knows I kind of run the sex show and right. sex is kind of picking my yes, brain a little bit. And she was saying, it went from like, have you ever had a 
pregnancy scare to like to talking about getting off and my partner Matt and I our main way of having sex is actually assisted masturbation. Right, sure. It went from the pregnancy talk yeah. into that because that's going to get a vasectomy, but right. he hasn't yet, but we don't use condoms. Right. So, you know, to have like P and V intercourse, number one, I don't get off that way. Never yeah, have. Sure. Number two, he can't get off that way right. now because right. I'm not on birth control. Right. And uh, he still has <laughs> workable semen in there. Yeah. Um, and she's like, well, what do you do then? Because I think <laughs> with her husband, I think they just probably have a lot of yeah. kind of heteronormative yeah. uh, intercourse. Um, and I was just saying, well, which you is know, great intercourse, let's which not, is great, let's not, which you is know, great. Look, if you, if you go and try a bunch of things and you're just like, nah, you know, heteronormative intercourse is my bag, then do it, go do it every it. day, <laughs> do, it, awesome. do it every hour. Yeah. Just don't feel like you have to. Sure. Yes, exactly. In any case. A great yeah, point. And, and there's people don't have a lot of imagination around mm-hmm. like, and I think this is, you know, we are. So strangely, I mean, I know this has been talked to, you know, to death, but, you know, this is such a weirdly explicit sexual culture with no actual explicit sexual conversation. Yes. Um, and I think this is why we have such narrow understandings yes. of, of what sex is. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then she said, okay, well, once he gets the vasectomy, well, is that going to change everything again then? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it won't <laughs> because I don't get off that way. And she's like, so how do you get off? <laughs> And she's like, well, are you upset about it? Don't you want to, like, yeah. she's like, so you've never had, like, you know, come by a, with a partner inside right. of you, that right. sort of thing. I'm like, no. And I'm like, you know, you know what? But good point for a long time. I wanted to, yeah. and I was constantly trying to, yeah. I was buying toys that would help me. Uh, my partner was buying toys yeah. that would help me, as you were saying before, like $300 toys that I used once. And I'm like, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. And I'm not really even enjoying it. Like yeah. I kind of used it in other ways yeah. that were not what it's intended for, which is a G-spot stimulation. Because yeah. I don't find it super pleasurable, especially when I'm doing it to myself. Yeah. Um, but just to accept the fact that, you know, I, this is my body and I get off this way and not to try to put myself in that box of what I think I should be doing and what I think my body should be Mm -hmm. behaving like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think G-spot orgasms, um, are so interesting as a cultural phenomenon. Um, like I, so, I mean, so G-spot orgasms and, and what people call sort of quote unquote female ejaculation, right. Um, are, are fascinating in that, you know, in porn, before 1978, there was no such was thing there no as squirting? ejaculation. <laughs> it was all called P-play. So if you ever look up, if you ever want to just like a little, a mental, a little funny little trip through history, you know, take a look at some of the titles that Annie Sprinkle was in before 1978. Annie Sprinkle. And uh, they were all P-play. That's why she's Annie Sprinkle. But as of like 1979, all of them got recategorized. And so all of her future stuff was ejaculation, right? It was female ejaculation. Squirting. Interesting. And then when you look at what was going on in uh, sort of the, the world of Betty Dodson in New York and then similar sort of movements that were emerging in San Francisco with like Carol Queen and, and actually Toronto's Shannon Bell and Annie Sprinkle and all these folks who were um, extraordinarily political in uh, sex. So whether that was sex writing or producing porn or uh, producing images of female ejaculation in a feminist setting, mm-hmm. um, it was explosive. It was a literal political taking up of space with women's cum. Uh, Love and, it. You know, it was a beautiful thing. Love but it. then you know, what capitalism then does with these things is it turns it into a pressured expectation yes. for people's 
bodies. Yes. Um, and that, you know, goes through like selling of sex toys and, you know, squirting then becomes basically a, a circus act in porn. Yeah. Um, it's a real uh, phenomenon. You know, lots of people ejaculate. Sure. But in terms of having that be a sexual goal, you know, I yeah, really got a question, you know, what, you know, you know, being aspirational is good. Um, you know, it's it's really great to strive for new things, and I think that everyone should try all sorts of things in yeah, their lifetime. Try so, you know, whether that's G spot play or urethral sounding, yeah, or sounding oral rods, sex yeah. or whatever, yeah, try um, once. Yeah, I think that all these things are really worth exploring your body and figuring out what those sensations mean to you. Mm -hmm. But. But, you know, first off, orgasm as the be-all and end-all goal of sexuality, I think, is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, it's so much more about the journey. And I think when people take orgasm off the sexual table and have sex without orgasm, the results are amazing. Like, mm -hmm. the way that people learn about their bodies in, in ways they just didn't expect. Mm -hmm. um, and also, orgasm often signals the end of sex. And yes. I, and why is that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it, it and really specifically, the yeah. male orgasm. Yeah. And I, <laughs> being I the think, end of sex. And men can actually come as many times as they like. We have an amazing book called The Multi-Orgasmic man mm -hmm. um, and it's it's actually just a bunch of exercises that consist of masturbating a whole lot so really just like the most <laughs> really, fun the most homework fun ever in the history of the world <laughs> and you can control your orgasms you can orgasm without ejaculating you can ejaculate without orgasming um, and me most men don't seem to know that these are actually entirely different phenomena um, but anyway but I digress I think that orgasms are great, G-spot orgasms are great, but ultimately, you know, I'm not totally convinced that these are different orgasms. When we look at, you know, what we know about uh, the nerve endings in our body, we know that they're internal and external. And yes, what we know about same... the clitoris yeah. now, it extends, like, the actual clitoris that yeah. we stimulate with our hand or a vibrator or what have yeah. you. That's like the very back. tip of the iceberg. Exactly. So actually, when you're having penetrative sex, that's still technically... Yeah can be clitoral orgasms. Absolutely. They're all it's the same. Yeah, it's stimulating a different yeah, part totally. of this clitoris that's mostly internal. Yeah, and when you get into like urethral sounding, you find that, you know, in fact what you're 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 doing is you're again stimulating the G spot, but from the urethral place. opening, which is really interesting, right? Yeah. Because the G spot is the urethral sponge. So if you're playing with sounds, then it's just a really, really weirdly direct way to access the G spot. Interesting. Have um, you done that? What does that feel like? I know of, I've seen sounding rods. I've heard people speak yeah. about them. Like, so we what don't the, talk about our own personal hell experiences. That, okay, okay. Yeah, so that's a wonderful, so what one of does our, it feel like? Yeah, we are the general. most weirdly boundary. Uh, there's, there's a joke many years ago. I'm not sure if it's still as true as it was, but the, mm -hmm. the come as you are hug was a wave. <laughs> like, that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, that's not... Uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, sounding can be done on bodies of any gender. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, when you're sounding a penis, you can insert a lot more of a sound into it just because of the length of the penis. Okay. Uh, whereas if you're sounding someone who doesn't have a penis, mm -hmm. then the opening, you know, there tends to be a little less room between where the urethra opens and the urethral sponge. So you're talking about an inch or two, kind of the same amount of... Uh, of a toy or a person that you would insert into a vagina to stimulate the G-spot. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a really intense sensation. Um, mm -hmm. Extremely pleasurable. Uh, a lot of people get really freaked out by sounding because it looks like it hurts. Mm. Um, but it actually doesn't. You don't really even have to push the sound. It just gets taken by gravity. So you all, you want to start small. You want to use either a sterile or, or very clean lube. Uh, don't go pull that grungy bottle of lube out of your <laughs> drawer and start... Yeah. Good point. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's a really interesting experience. Yeah. And it yeah. stimulates the urethral sponge, which in turn kind of... It stimulates it's your G-spot. It stimulates the G-spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very, very, cool. very direct way of accessing the G-spot. Very direct way. Yeah. Which is um, why maybe it can be so intense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like when we talk about, you know, 
bundles of nerve endings. Uh, yes. You know, it's not that, you know, people with penises, it's not like their bodies are any different, right? I mean, as much as we're all different, but you can stimulate the prostate, um, which again is stimulating the entire same area. So, you know, this focus on, oh, I'm having a particular kind of orgasm. I want to have this other kind of orgasm. You know, I just think it's, it's a distraction from what should be a focus on your own experience and your own pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Rather than the orgasm. Yeah. yeah Cause I can say I've, I've, as much as I'm saying I don't have a G-spot orgasm, da-da-da-da-da, I feel like I've had, I've been at least on the verge of having mm-hmm. a different type of orgasm mm-hmm. where I'm getting different feelings, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where it could possibly be in the realm of a blended orgasm or yeah. something like that, yeah. but who knows. Well, and, and, <laughs> but like, Do we even know that these, you know, these designations are useful as far as they're useful? I think any framework or any concept is useful if it gets you to the place you want to go. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm not even sure that there is such a distinction between a G-spot and a clitoral orgasm. Right, um, yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm not sure what that difference is. Right. I mean, some people love external stimulation. Some people love internal, internal. stimulation. Some people need both simultaneously. Yeah. Some folks, you know, can't deal with internal stimulation and external stimulation at the same time because it'll totally mess up their, their That's you me. know, orgasm or pleasure. That's me, yeah. Um, you know, I think that, again, we're all really, really different in terms of how we... Uh, process sensation and again whether that's food or sex um, or love or you know our favorite books um, we're all really different yes Um, so I imagine while you're working here as you're saying it's not about selling toys and buying toys that's probably the last thing it's about so do you find yourself kind of doing one-on-one quick counseling sessions like sex therapies sessions yeah I would say um so unsurprisingly we're also extraordinarily critical of sex therapy (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) you know I I mean I think that you know unfortunately I think that you know there's large swaths of, of therapy generally that um you know, sex therapy sort of exists to define dysfunction and function. And I'm not sure that we can see these things in terms of function and dysfunction. Yes. Um, you know, does something work for you in your life? Great, do it. And if not, then let's do that less. Um, <laughs> we really take a harm reduction approach to people's sexuality um, rather than defining norms or what's in or outside of norms. I think that we try with all of our customers um, to help normalize their experience. I yes. mean, as long as it's a pretty consenty based sort of thing. Of course. Um, although lately, I'm really questioning whether consent is possible at all in any realm under capitalism. Um, really? I'm just not. I'm not sure it is. Really? At all. Please explain. Well, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that there. Uh, so Emily Nagoski wrote a book called Come As You Are, um, which has nothing to do with our store. Okay. She's amazing. She thinks we're amazing. We're really lucky we like each other because we didn't like that book, which there was probably a 98% chance that we weren't going to like that book. But then we read it and it was phenomenal. And, and thank God, because that would just been a nightmare for, for everyone Yeah, involved. you'll be forever just yes. related to um, this book. And we are actually, uh, Emily will be back in uh, for the Guelph Sexuality Conference in June. And we'll be cool. doing a couple workshops here, which will be awesome. Very cool. Um, but... You know, she was crit- a little critical of, uh, there was a sort of meme going around about how consent is like a cup of tea. You know, do you want a cup of tea? Yes, I'd love some tea. Okay, let's have some tea. Consent. Uh, right. And I think that she questioned that on a couple fronts. One is that she doesn't believe, and I don't believe either, I don't, I don't think that people who are committing sexual assault and rape are actually concerned with consent one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that people are having a hard time understanding when people, whether or not people are consenting. I think it's that people are having a hard time caring about other people's consent. I think it's about a denial of people's personhood. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a thing that education itself can solve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she also made a really good point that, 
you know, when someone offers you a cup of tea, you may say yes, not because you want tea, but perhaps you, you feel want pressure to have yeah, tea, yeah, or because you, because um, you, you know, your whole life you've been socialized to, um, to do emotional, tea. yeah, exactly, <laughs> to make other people happy. And often, you know, when people offer you, when you come over to someone's house and they offer you a beverage, it's actually quite rude to say no. Yes, um, right. and, although I often do. <laughs> I'm like, I don't actually want tea, but you know, I should just take the fucking tea. <laughs> take the tea. Uh, but you know, sometimes people, you know, maybe you 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 want or need the milk and sugar, right? Yeah. Like maybe you need that intimacy, but you don't want that sex. But the only route to that is sex. Um, and so I think there's a lot of places where you know, sex, uh, consent is not like tea. It's not like having tea. It's not like being offered tea. Or it's a even, lot more complicated. Or even the act of drinking tea with someone yeah. is even much more layered than oh yeah, yeah <laughs> not as layered yeah. as consent perhaps well, sure but, but I think that these things still. are reflected on a level of human relating um, and then further I think that under capitalism you know economic co coercion is a real thing um, I think even in our own co-op we really struggled with how membership works because when people come you know when when you've worked for, here for a year year and a half mm -hmm. you kind of have to join the company or leave that's sort of the deal like mm -hmm. you have to become a full worker owner and participate in all of the rights and responsibilities of being a worker that's your whole jam yeah but <clears throat> under capitalism you know people are therefore necessarily economically coerced into joining mm. um, because if you're going to lose your job mm -hmm. if you don't join our cult I mean that's that is a form of economic coercion so balancing you know our desire to keep this democratic and consensus based and having everyone's full support and consent and participation also creates a an economic pressure on people to join or to have our ide ideology, and I think that that's um, it's that's not the intent, right? So right. I think these things are really hard to navigate in all aspects of our lives, um, and I think that you know, there's like it or not, I mean, marriage is still a fundamentally economic transaction. Sure. Um, it is a legal transaction you're you're making under the state, and with that comes all of the same economic pressure and economic coercion um, that capitalism has to offer, and then it's being embedded into your relationship. Uh, so I think that, you know, consent is really difficult. I think that we weren't really, none of us were raised to properly consent to anything. And sure. I think that enthusiastic consent for anything is a really high bar um, when there's yes. so much pressure for all the things that we have to do. And, you know, uh, not to mention all the emotional labor that people do in other people's lives um, for lots of reasons, but often because we've been raised to like, oh, we want to be helpful and we want to be agreeable and we don't want to, you know, be made fun of later for having a headache or whatever the thing is. But yeah, I'm not sure that consent, the way that we've been talking about it for the last couple of years, certainly, mm -hmm. I'm not sure it's possible at all. I think we have to reframe this entirely. workshops and classes here we do as well right yeah. so we bring in um, we don't we don't teach any classes ourselves right so one of our other core values is that we are the anti-experts right um, we really believe that nobody knows uh, more about your sexuality than you do yeah um, and knowing and, enough to know that you don't know everything yeah and th that we certainly don't and we don't know most things um, you know <laughs> when we have people come in and be like oh you know what should I get my girlfriend it's like well I you, don't know you know her a lot better than I do <laughs> I don't 
think we've met. Um, and that's a tough one, too, yeah. buying a sex toy for somebody else. Yeah, it is. I, I think a... that people think it's a lot harder than it is. Um, really, you just go for something extremely versatile. So uh, the great thing about G-Spot toys is that they can be used in so many different ways, and mm -hmm. some of them even have flared bases that you could use anally. So right. G-Spot toys, as you discovered... Right. Um, yeah, are, you can use it for yeah, not... They're great for external play. They're great on a clitoris or the underside of a penis, or if they have a flared base, you can use them anally, or you can use them vaginally, however yeah. you like. Yeah, so, which is what I yeah. always did when I got a G-Spot present that wasn't working yeah. out. I just yeah. use it, clip, totally. rub it on yeah. the externally. Yeah. And if you've never had a sex toy before, often we will recommend a G-Spot toy because they are so versatile, so you'll have the least chance of being disappointed. Mm. Um, and if you are buying a sex toy for someone else, yeah, I would go for something inexpensive, versatile, and in their favorite color. Nice. Right? You don't yeah. need to know much about them. Yeah, it's you like, probably yeah. would know their favorite color. Yeah, and if you don't know their favorite color, as long as you know their least favorite color and you don't get the sex toy in that color, you're forward. fine. And don't forget batteries because it's important. <laughs> so, uh, as for classes, workshops? Oh, for workshops, yeah. So, we bring in um, international authors, artists, and sex educators to do our workshops. Amazing. Um, we don't do them ourselves. We, we definitely know a lot about the product we carry in the store. Um, but yeah, we don't fancy ourselves educators and uh, none of us have been, uh, trained as sex educators. Formally trained. Yeah. As much as our, um, co-op was founded by an ASEX certified sex educator and all of our training materials were written by an ASEX certified sex educator. Mm -hmm. Um, we ourselves are not sex educators and I have to say that we, we, we really resent, um, that a lot of folks who work in sex shops, uh, even like the sort of cheesy novelty ones mm -hmm. call themselves sex educators. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really dangerous because I feel like these are folks who like, have a lot of understanding of sexuality, probably talk to people about sexuality their whole lives, but yeah, educators, they are not. Um, right. So we bring in people who are. They're um, certified. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, when I when I listen to you talking about vetting performers for your show, yeah. I think that, yeah, it's hard. Like, it's hard to vet people that, you know, we, we don't trust our customers with just anyone. We take what we do really seriously. Um, sex is such a responsibility, and mm -hmm. um, the fact that we influence people's sexual trajectories at all yes. means that we have to tread really lightly. So yes. we only bring in people that we really love and trust and feel add a lot to the discussion of sexual culture and their particular specialties. Mm -hmm. uh, so Emily Nagoski, who I said uh, will be back in June, um, who wrote a great book about the science of sex. Mm -hmm. um, we have Midori come in town a lot. She does a lot of, um, she's written books about rope bondage and BDSM yeah. generally, and she's great workshops. And then uh, Shannon Bell, who's actually a, a tenured prof at York and one of the first one is one of the first people to really document um female ejaculation from a feminist perspective awesome uh, does female ejaculation workshops which uh, are amazing they include a, a demo so she actually ejaculates for the class amazing. So, you can look at her g-spot wow uh, yeah you can if you're lucky and you sit in the front row you could even hold the flashlight in the mirror wow um, oh my god but then she also go. gives you this amazing cultural context for the history of female ejaculation yeah. and and like i said like female ejaculation from that perspective is uh it's really a literal taking up a political space yes yeah. with cum with, <laughs> with the cum. women's ejaculate yeah. Yeah. oh my god as it should be love it <laughs> as only it could be if, it, if, you're gonna, you if you're gonna take up space <laughs> let's literally do it. it what are some of your favorite companies that you deal with Ooh, yeah. I mean, do you we, have some favorite company. My 
favorites are, you know, we love even for the, personal yeah, reasons. Yeah, you we, know. So I was, right, you know, right, right. I, I'm not the buyer currently, but I was okay. for about a decade. Okay, okay. And so I have to say, I truly have a place in my heart yes. for every single toy. Like mm-hmm. even Astrolabe, mm-hmm. um, you know, is amazing. It is a gateway lube. It shows that you care enough about lube that you're not just going to get the first thing you see at Shoppers Drug Mart. You're not going to get KY. Walked, yeah, you walked into our sex shop, and if you buy a thing of Astroglide here, like I'm totally going to throw in like an organic, like a Hathor Aphrodisia organic lubricant, just so you have some options. It's yeah. Like, well, if you like, if you care enough about your sexuality to come into a sex to at least walk lube, in the store, it's like I can, I can turn you. It's a gateway lube. It's great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but the, the things that are closest to my heart are like the most independent of our independent manufacturers. Great. So, um, Happy Valley, who, mm-hmm. who are also some lovely folks who make uh, On a farm, don't they? Yeah. They're out in uh, <laughs> Warsaw, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, Happiest Valley in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, it's just outside of Peterborough. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, yeah, they have a little organic farm with some sheep and some goats. And, and some butt plugs. And, yeah. And they, they make a bunch of sex toys. They are absolutely our, our favorite people in the world. That's awesome. Um, if there's ever an apocalypse, we're going to escape and go live on their farm, I think. <laughs> uh, and then also similarly, Leatherbeaten, who used to be in Peterborough, they do floggers and uh, a lot of really, really great leather gear. Some mm-hmm. of it is actually based on uh, like medieval torture implements. Um, oh, so they actually go back through history and figure out how to make like that rope flogger. And oh, yeah, so they make some really, really neat stuff. Um, we will always have a place in our heart for Aslan Leather, mm-hmm. uh, similar to our store. I mean, so Aslan was uh, founded by Carrie Gray, who was right. also a founder of our co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, although that isn't the reason we get along. <laughs> <laughs> it was all before my time, so it's fine. Okay. Um, I had read the board meeting minutes, though. And, uh, yeah. Exciting reads. Yeah, no, it really is. <laughs> so much drama. I really would love to do a, a, a play or like a, yeah. an audio doc of yeah. people reading out the minutes or yeah. something. I think it'd be really amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's like the amount of passive passive aggression <laughs> in co-op <laughs> meeting palpable. minutes. And I'm sure that's I'm sure that's universal to, to co-ops, yeah. especially like DIY, whatever ones. But I mean, we've always been majority owned by trans and gender queer people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Aslan is amazing in that, again, it is uh, owned by someone who is trans. Um, and queer and in Toronto and easily makes, you know, the best leather harnesses and and gear in Canada, if not uh, the world. Um, Really has a huge international reputation. Wow. Um, And my my absolute favorite, uh, so there's a fellow in Montreal. His name is Adrian. Mm -hmm. Um, He makes canes. Uh, And in his last email to me, so he makes them whatever he makes them and he just sends them along and whatever. And he, he wrote to me just being like, you know, uh, he had a couple strokes last year, so he's been recovering from that, and he, he plays a lot of drums, and he lives in this weird little cottage in Westmount. Who, I mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this guy's amazing. He is, he's just, he's honestly probably one of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life. He is so gentle and, you know, takes his cane making so seriously. He describes the canes in terms of their relative butteriness. Uh, butteriness! And in his last email to me, he was like, you know, I don't really know what to charge for these canes, because the way that I'm valuing time, you know, it's just defies economic tradition. Like right. he just, he's not, he can't see his time in terms of, you know, he was like, when I was a salary man, I always had to think of, you log know, your hours. Yeah. What, what does each hour of my time cost? Work. And, 
at, at this point in his life, he just he can't think of life in those terms. And so negotiating. Which is beautiful. I know, but I, how do I pay that invoice? Like, I, I, just, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Metaphorical yeah, invoice. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the Canes haven't shown up yet, so we'll deal with that when we get to it. But uh, yeah, he's a really beautiful guy. I love, I love our extremely independent manufacturers. Like just these people who, um, either because of their own sexual interests or because they saw a need, um, have just created some of the most beautiful like sex objects that uh yeah you just wouldn't actually find anywhere else yeah Um, and it's my favorite thing about our store for sure yeah is there anything you specifically carry that other sex shops even in toronto do not oh i'm sure yeah 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 yeah, yeah, for sure but i think but i think it goes both ways right yeah definitely vendors that um either for ethical reasons or um economic reasons we won't carry um so there's definitely like there's a couple uh, manufacturers of sex furniture um and there's stuff just off gases um like i can't even describe and because so Mm. many of the folks who access those products are people who have multiple chemical sensitivities Mm. um so you find a lot of folks in disability communities either because of medical experiences so you know uh, things like like latex the more you're exposed to it the more likely you'll be allergic to it right um so the more that you're exposed to chemicals often the more likely you are to react to them and so when you have a whole line of sex furniture that off gases um, wow. and people have just this intense allergic reactions, reactions to, to uh, you just can't carry that stuff but you know everyone else does uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We won't care anything that people will pay us to carry. So there was a, a sex toy that mm. I, it seems actually be fairly popular right now that the manufacturers uh, actually offered us, like, free advertising space and all these magazines. Mm. And, and basically they were like, we'll send it to you for free. Just carry it so we can say that you carry it. And we're like, no, mm. we won't do it. Um, but every other sex shop in the city does. It does. Yeah. yeah so when people call, it's great because we are like, we don't care for these reasons. And you tell them why. Does. You know, to, for the most part, if people want to hear within it. reason, yeah, 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 some yeah, people yeah, yeah. don't care. Like, yeah, look, yeah, I mean, if you if you aren't concerned with, you know, the negative ways in which capitalism influences our sex lives, then you know you don't care. You probably not. The yeah. story is probably not for you. Well, it, no, it can be, but we just can't interact on the, that level. You know, like we don't insist that anyone who visits our store shares our ideology. I mean, the idea of the store really was to be a place that, you know, as long as you're someone who is practicing consenty forms of sex, yes. um, that our store is open to you. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we have, you know, very, you know, like I said, independently wealthy business people who, you know, spend lots of money here. And, and you know, there's a guy who ships like thousands of toys to Dubai every year because he, you know, like it's, we're not going to... Uh, yeah, we don't ban people because they sure. believe in capitalism. You know? <laughs> sure. It's okay. You also deserve a good sexuality. And in fact, I think that in, by engaging in our ideology and engaging in uh, our anti-capitalist approach to sex, it actually transforms people's lives who, who wouldn't have thought about sex in those terms before. I don't doubt it. Yeah. I don't doubt it. Yeah. What do you have, um, before we go, yeah. uh, do you have a favorite experience or two from Come As You Are, from your time at Come As You Are? Either like with a guest or oh, is there any a standout experience yeah. that was odd? Or... Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, my favorite experience, um, so back in sort of 2012-ish, um, we had some pretty dire economic times. Mm. Um, so we almost went out of business mm. and we certainly had a big sale and just basically we didn't ask for donations or anything. We just said, you know. If you want us to stick around, we're putting everything at like 40% yeah, off. Come so just store, buy everything just and then, you know, and it'll be okay. And it was, it was great. I mean, I think that we were really honest about where we were coming from and people seemed to really respond to that emotionally, which was amazing. 
um, and also with their dollars, which was really great. Yeah. But right after that, we applied to be in the Cooperators National Co-op Challenge. And every year the cooperators, because they're a co-op, they do a big co-op challenge where they um, they have a contest. You make a video, you say what you want to use the money for, and then people vote. Cool. And uh, and yeah, I know it's a bit of a glorified popularity contest, and I'm still <laughs> regretful that uh, we won over the funeral co-op. There's oh no! I just like those guys. <laughs> oh, no. I love those guys so much. <laughs> but man, it's hard to make an exciting video about a funeral co-op. Yeah, um, yeah, they are yeah. already yeah. at the start at a yeah. big disadvantage. It was, there. It was rough. Uh, <laughs> but we won it, and we bought a wow. 1989 uh, Volkswagen Vanagon Westphalia. It's like a Westie, wow. and we went across the country and did workshops and attended prides and festivals and just did a ton of outreach and yeah I mean it was like five weeks almost six weeks on the road it was amazing wow. it was easily uh, it was the first time I had left the store for more than a week I was gonna say yes yeah, so it was nerve-wracking but it was amazing it was a really great experience and getting to meet people like in Winnipeg and Regina and Saskatoon like, was just yeah, it was phenomenal. It was so, uh, yeah, it was a once-in-a-lifetime sort of thing, for sure. Absolutely yeah, we, we still have the giant check on the wall. Yay! Oh, yay! That's so amazing. Yeah. And, I, and I would, I just, uh, you know, not to be a total corporate shill, uh, I can't imagine I'd ever be accused of that, but uh, I have to say the Cooperators is a really, really phenomenal insurance company. Um, there's a special category for adult businesses that the insurance industry invented to charge us more because apparently we're more high liability, which is not true, but of course, who's going to go to you know, court over parliament it. and whatever. Um, and the other cooperators managed to get our insurance. They, they divide it's like a third of what it was oh. under a traditional insurance company. And, uh, I have to say like they are people who personally actually care about their clients. And, uh, I think it's their cooperative structure that, uh, means that they are, yeah, I mean, for an insurance company, you know, they're a huge they capitalistic right. organization, but they do a lot of good works too. Amazing. Amazing. Um, okay. We're at time here, Jack. All right. Oh well, my God. So <laughs> Let's do this again. Let's. I've had an amazing time. Thank you again so much for taking the time to speak with me. Yes. And thank you for letting me go off about capitalism. Oh my Way God. My pleasure. I love uh, it all. I totally love it all. Let's just do some plugs for Come As You Are. Tell us about the websites. Yes. You know, I mean, we're, you know, comeasyouare.com. Um, we offer a couple of services I think folks don't know about. So we do a binder recycling program for genderqueer folks. Um, we also do a sex toy recycling program, so donate your old sex toys and get 15% off, and you can use that coupon online or in-store. Awesome. Our website's comeasyouare.com. We're down at Queen and Spadina. Check us out. We're down at Queen and Spadina right now sure on location. This has been Jack Lehman. We're here on location at Come As You Are. I'm Erin Pym, and this has been the Bedpost Podcast. To find more about the Bedpost Stage Show, please go to facebook.com slash bedposterotica. I've got a personal blog with over 100 erotic short stories at erinserotica.com. And lastly, the Bedpost Podcast features original music by Stephanie Copeland, who can be reached at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com. Thanks so much again, Jack. Thank you for having me. Bye!